0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. My guest today is Caelan Cullen, the founder of Arctic Stone Ice Cream. Very, very happy to have Caelan on the podcast today. Caelan, you're very welcome.
1: green what's the story? Thanks, Mil, for having me, bro. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, chuffed. You originally grew up in Shank Hill. You're now living in Step Aside. What was life like growing up in Shank Hill?
1: Shank Hill, it was an interesting spot. I spent most of my time playing football. So I play, started playing football when I was like six or seven um, with Valeview, in Shank Hill. And that's where I spent, that's... My best memories were on the football pitches and in the green in front of my in front of my gaff, just playing football, literally from when the sun came out to when it got dark every day. I just remember that, and like there was a good community vibe around the place. Now it seems to have kind of dwindled a small bit, um, from what I can tell. But we had a good good click when I was growing up. Anyway, it's good fun. We got up to all sorts of stuff around there. It's good fun.
0: Yeah we have a couple of common connections you mentioned football Ben O'Calla, and you said you played football with him I went to primary school with the guy nice guy I I, I do want to get on to some football questions but uh, f- sticking with childhood curious to know who were you influenced most by when you were a child?
1: Influenced much as a child um, I would draw a lot of inspiration from when I was growing up anyway from uh, football because that's always what I wanted to be and like like my favorite player, and he probably still is Nemanja Vidic, uh, nice. and center back, tough as nails, and put his head where most people wouldn't put their foot. And that's how I played football as well. Uh, I'm sure I got a few concussions along the way when I uh, was growing up. And yeah, so, but that's how I play for years. Like, that's how I will always play, is like him. And I would just emulate him. Uh, Dennis Irwin, uh, Yapstam, some of my favorite players, all center half, hard as nails, Roy Keane as well. I don't particularly like him. But just his footballing style and just mm. you know giving it his all for the team and you know putting his body on the line and stuff like that is what I was obsessed with at the time. Like John Terry as well. I like I'm not the biggest fan of John Terry, but it was, uh, I couldn't looked down some of his stuff. But he was a massive inspiration footballing wise as well. But if I had to pick anyone, it would be the Man for sure. Uh, and for did sure. you ever
0: find did you ever find someone like Real Ferdinand to play with?
1: No. Whew. Um, I've, i had a few people now that were uh, solid centre-back now. They'd be more the ball player and then I'd just be putting my head on the ground. I've played with a good few. Ben would be very like that now. Good on the ball type character as well. I remember playing some good matches, playing centre-half with Ben over the years. But uh, yeah, no, I had a few partnerships over the years that worked very well, you know? Nice. Well, talking uh, of football, uh,
0: you, one of the awards you got was you won player of the year, 2015, representing, I believe at the time, was UCD. Mm, so, yeah, go on. No, I was going to talk to you about that and say that you also spent some time over stateside playing uh, football as well.
1: Yeah, so um, it came to a point when I was like, up until, up until I finished college, that football was my main thing. Now, I was, never saw myself as going pro or anything like that, but it just made, it ju- I just enjoyed it and loved it so, so much. Uh, and then I took it very seriously from fifth year to fourth year onwards and really put my head down, working, going to the gym, focusing on football, not drinking or anything like that after the age of 18, 19, and really put my head down and working at it. And then, yeah, moved to America when I was 19 after first year of college, got a scholarship there. And that was an incredible experience. Now looking back, I was nineteen and it was it was incredibly tough as well because mentally, physically, emotionally, it's a very testing challenge just to move away. Mm. And especially when you're still a teenager, really, and you're still trying to figure we're all still trying to figure things out still. But oh, sure. back, back when I was nineteen, I just didn't have a clue what to do, you know. So I grew up a lot in that time because I, uh, I lived off campus. I didn't really live with anyone. I lived by myself in America. I had a kind of like a kind of like a little flat there myself. Mm. And it was tough because I was living by myself. And then, but I was still part of the team and everything like that. And American colleges, like a lot of them aren't based on your education or how smart you are going into college. It's basically a lot of it is about your sport acumen as well. So yeah. you've, like you're talking players from all over America coming to one college. Like, we had players from Hawaii, uh, California, people from Peru, Argentina, New Zealand, everywhere that was on our team. And we were all competing. It's not like your local team where everyone is from, like, Shankill or anything like that. You have players all over the world competing for a scholarship of only, I think there was only 20 people on our team, 22 people. So, we were constantly... Uh, like, we had a good vibe, some of the players. Um, but, uh, like... It was very competitive and it's very difficult. You're waking up six a.m. to train. You're in the gym, you're or you're in the pool. Then you're back on the pitch from ten to eleven. Then you're back in college. So you're mixed. You have to do college and sports at the same time, and it was incredibly difficult. It's not like here when I was playing for UCD that you do your college and then after six eight o'clock you'd be on the pitch. But in America you'd be on the pitch or training at least at least three times a day or doing recovery at night in the physio room stem ice training, ice baths, all this kind of stuff. So it was like a professional lifestyle, mm. but you weren't getting to pay. And it, like, I wish I was, but I wasn't. And uh, it was very tough to be so far away from friends and family at 19. Now, I wouldn't, I don't have any regrets or I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world, but because uh, it really did kind of change my mentality and kind of ground me a lot. Uh, is going over there but it was incredibly and a very emotionally difficult as well at the time because it like at times like I'd be very confident on the pitch because everyone's competing against each other it's not as not everyone is lifting each other up if you get what I mean gotcha. so yeah. when you have a knockback or a bad game you just start spiraling and it, it, you have to kind of snap yourself out of it and it kind of showed me I kind of pushed that forward going into life as well that you can't take every knockback so personally that you have to get back on, train harder, learn from that mistake and move on. So I came back to Ireland at the age of 20. So I only gave it a year. Um, Now, looking back, I'm glad I did um, because I got to finish my degree in Ireland um, because I was studying occupational therapy over there. And then I came back to Ireland and finished uh, social work. So then I got to play with an unbelievable team in UCD, some of the best players, like, I could ever, like, some players like Robbie Benson and stuff who went on to play for Dundalk and some serious, serious players and that represented UCD, the college one, college players player of the year myself in my final year, which was probably one of my, like, proudest achievements to date was that because some of the players on the team were just remarkable footballers and to be alongside them and to be recognized for, as I said, I'm not a footballer. I'm a, I'm a headbanger. So like I throw my head into the ground, you know, into when you put your body or you put your work ethic into that. Cause I wouldn't necessarily be say I was naturally talented, but it was more the work rate and the effort on and off the pitch that, uh that will kind of shine through. And I'm just, it was a great recognition on the day of, to represent UCD and then, end up getting Clare of the Year that year and we won the All-Ireland as well which was still up there with my uh, fondest memories, you know, to date date. so um, yeah, sports would have have had and still do have a massive impact on me and how I go about things.
0: You've achieved a lot, sounds like you learned a lot from your year stateside you Mm -hmm. originally came on my radar from uh, James McCormack I noticed that you went for a lot of runs at him, where's your favourite place to go for a run in Dublin?
1: Oh, in Dublin, I think with James at the moment, that buzz up um, tick, not tick tock, tick knock is, uh, um, is is one of my favourite runs at the moment is um, is up the, up the Dublin Mountains today. I went up the Wicklow Mountains today and then went for a run there and then went swimming in Greystones as well. So, I'd run anywhere, like, but my favorite run in the world is still Vancouver. I don't know if you've ever been there, Rian, but there's a seawall sea that goes around the city. Highly recommended. It's most, one of the most beautiful, tranquil runs, walks, bikes, whenever you're into moments you'll have going around that city, it's beautiful. But uh, in Dublin now at the moment, the mountains, anywhere in the mountains, kind of adventuring, kind of getting back to nature within trees, water. I'm very much vibing off that these days, and it's only getting stronger and for me anyway, because um, I've run marathons and stuff like that as well. I've run the Dublin Marathon as well, and that was a different type of running. It's just flat road running. And then I've done like sprinting as well or 400 meters and stuff like that. But this, this at the moment is running through mountains kind of – that step aside is perfect for that because you're running through country roads. Every road is a bit different. It's not kind of just like buildings – like around the corner for me is a massive shopping center, but on the other side is horses, rabbits, all that kind of stuff, you know, you'll see on your run. And it's just that kind of country running is my vibe at the moment I'm really, really enjoying it. And also like we're creating a good connection with people at the moment as the gyms are closed. Mm. So I would I would have been in the gym pretty much probably about five days a week, just doing maintenance work or kind of chopping and changing what I'd be doing, like high um kind of maintenance or kind of just strength training or resistance training but because all that's kind of gone it's kind of hard to motivate home gym I've kind of lost that I think a lot of people have kind of got to stick at home gym so now just if I can give anyone any advice right now run it yeah. will it does it changes your life in many ways I think anyway like it really does or your cycle or whatever you're into but getting outside and doing an activity outside is really really helping especially with everything going on right now you know
0: I'm in agreement with you. The mountain runs, tick knock, I've hiked it, not run it. It sounds bliss. You mentioned Vancouver. One of my good friends moved over here from there and um, mm. from Canada last year, year before. He moved back after five or six months because of COVID and I said, made a promise to him that once travel restrictions are lifted and I can get out of here, I'll go over to visit him. So I'll add a run to that. Uh, Definitely, of man. When I'm over there.
1: And send me on pictures because I miss it and it's genuine, like, it will blow your mind and not just like because I when I, I when I went over to Vancouver this would have been two years ago I was training mm. for the Dublin Marathon at the moment so I was doing 17 18 20k a day around Vancouver and I just not once did I get sick of it in Dublin Lovely. I was like oh another spot you know like road running in Dublin is a bit unless you go up the mountains um, yeah but in Vancouver it's a stunning stunning spot honestly well, well, so, do you
0: mind me was it just the views or was it that there was open roads and you weren't stopping and starting
1: yeah, so they have this um, like kind of kind of like a cycle lane. I think it's called the seawall. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but they have this road that just wraps around, it's called a park, it's Stanley Park, that's it. So the Stanley Park, which is like their Phoenix Park in Vancouver, and it goes, mm. there's a wall that goes around it, which just goes around the sea as well. So you're the whole time you're just running along the sea around a beautiful park. And then they have a few statues, they have benches, they have these rock formations, And in Dublin, like this town is not built for a kind of Mm -hmm. like a modern lifestyle. Like there's stop, start road traffic. Like people are walking on both sides. Like it's a disaster because you're jumping off curbs. You're running onto curbs. Like sometimes the road just completely ends and you're like, okay, that's great. I'll just run with traffic. So, you know, so, you know, um, Vancouver is a different story altogether because they've, they built the city for that kind of, metropolitan lifestyle of movement you know what I mean so that's why I I
0: saw something interesting the other day not related to running or anything you just mentioned Dublin as a city it must have been somewhere in Asia where there was beside traffic lights there was like uh, you know the security thing you walked through the airport but rain fell through it so nice the light was red rain was falling through the city. A human couldn't walk through the other side of the road. And only when the light was green would the rain stop so the person could walk through. Strange. I've never seen
1: it before. That is so cool. That's like Japan stuff. Where, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, definitely. Be Probably.
0: Cool. I got you on here to talk around Arctic Stone Ice Cream and we're leading cool. to that. But one of the questions I had was, you've had other roles. One of the companies I have down here is Just Wing It. Mm. What are some of the lessons you learned from Previous roles such as Just Wing It.
1: Yes. Yeah, so when I started with Just Wing It, I was their, I was their second employee. So they, they I think they kind of sparked off a lot of the creativity. And looking back, obviously when you're there, you you don't really know, the, but it did kind of give me an idea of market stalls, street food. Because when I worked there, I was 18. I think I just come back from America, so I was 19 when I started working there. Um, and then I ended up becoming the manager there after a couple of weeks or months. And then they opened the shop. But I started in the food markets, the festivals, electric picnic, all this kind of stuff. And you kind of get that camaraderie because market stalls and street food is an incredible energy and buzz. And that's why you always see farmers markets. They A lot of the farmers markets, people have been there for 15, 16, 20, 30 years, you know, because they love it so much. And it keeps people, you get to, it's not just, like a supermarket where people come and go, you get to know your customers. You get that drive, that energy, because again, for myself, I get a lot of that kind of like positivity off people, yeah. um, and that's why a lot of the stuff that I base on what I do is around people. So that's why I just vibed off the um, the farmers market so much. But I learned a lot from efficiency to the layout of a market stall. You're always it's always gonna you're always gonna want to improve and um, your market stall, but because you need to get people out as fast as possible, but you also need to create a connection with them as well. Um, you need to have the chats with them, and then also give them the best quality food that you can do. So that's what I learned from there. I've worked in a lot of restaurants and stuff like that. From I've worked in New Zealand and stuff like that, in kitchens and in hotels and prep chefing and stuff like that. So that kind of put me on the path to food. I'd always been in food, like waitering or bartending. I've been bartending since I was like 15, I think. I probably shouldn't have been behind the bar at 15, but you know, yeah, I, I was tall enough when I was 15, so I got away with it. But you wing mentioned it kind of-
0: food stalls, winged. Yeah. Have you, uh, what are your favorite food stalls in the world that you've ever been to? Cause you seem passionate about it. And it seems to be from listening to other things that food stalls are great places for, to build connections with other humans. I was in London maybe a year ago and uh, tooting Beck unsurprisingly has this absolutely amazing food market. I don't know if you've ever been. I think it's one of the Where best- was it? Tooting Beck. Tooting Beck in London.
1: No. I've been yeah. to Cambridge Market. Um I've been to Pop Brixton. Um I've been to a few of the places and then in Asia that's where I learned how to make ice cream was in the street food markets there. But I've been going to people's Park for years and I just as they say the best people the people that enjoy food are the best type of people you know what i mean as uh like um it and there's a quote from bernard shaw that he talks about food as well brings out the best in people um and that's what i think it does you know you can be having a terrible terrible day and then food will just bring you back to life you know what i mean and it does it it really does help with people's moods it kind of creates energy and people can everyone can enjoy food and kind of chat about it. And it kind of brings communities together. You always see in like Spain or Portugal, they all gather around the table and have food. And that's what it does. And that's what street food does. And that's why I kind of, that's why I love it and got obsessed with it there. And back when I was working in it, and then obviously I set up one, but uh, food has a massive impact, but you get to learn a lot more about food. The more you talk about it, the more you try it, the more you cook it, the more you embrace it, the more you learn about it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah you 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 could have stayed working at places like just wing it or bars or restaurants or other food places. Why did you decide to set up your own thing called Arctic Stone Food? Uh, Arctic Stone Ice cream?
1: Yeah, like after the thing is after college, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Everyone, I kind of think sometimes gets forced into a path and I've been very, I've never really gone with the path that a lot of people would say to go along. I always like, it's not that I'm not mainstream or anything like that, but I always like to just do what resonates with me, Um, whether it's running or anything, anything from food to exercise. Just If it resonates with me, I tend to go for it. and Because you're you're with a lot more passion that way, as opposed to just phoning it in. And that's why during college I was working, I didn't go to a call center or something like that, which was easier. I worked in bars till like 3, 4 a.m you know, because yeah. I loved working in a bar and um, now it was incredibly difficult. But again, I wanted to do stuff that resonated with me, that I would enjoy, that I would actually learn the most from. So I could have stayed doing the stalls and worked in restaurants and stuff like that. And that's, I kind of hope to do that down the line is work with um, restaurants and kind of help them out the way, you know, like get them started and stuff. That would be the plan down the line. But I wanted to do something and get hands on into it and learn. Like I was 22 when I started, I was 21 when I came across the idea. So I wanted like, I might as well learn as much as I can, you know, yourself, like if you're starting a business early, you're going to learn so much more, learn in your twenties, then you can implement whatever you can in your thirties and just constantly be growing and learning. So I was like, the only way to learn the most, cause I was going to go on to do a master's in either business management, or I was going to go to Smurf and do HR or something. But I was like, right. I'll give this a bash and I'll learn so much more hands-on have far better experience if I just go and do it. So I was like, right. Um, I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial flair. I used to sell like protein in school. I used to sell all types of stuff, nothing bad, don't worry. Uh, But like gym equipment, all this kind of stuff. and um, So I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial flair, like sales tickets and all this kind of stuff for events. And I have a book since I was like 13 of business ideas, uh, which I write in, I still do. And if anyone is thinking about starting a business, I'd highly recommend every idea, no matter what it is, write it down. Just write it down. And even if it doesn't come to anything, your brain is like, your brain is a muscle. So if you don't use that muscle of creative ideas of business ideas or anything or art, you will, that muscle will get weaker. So the more you write about business ideas now, it may never come to fruition, but you've written it down, you've taught the juices are flowing and then you can pass it over to another business idea. So I was like, right, ice cream. Then I came across that and the really, the rest is history. I was like, can I go for it now whilst I can, whilst I'm young and I can um, risk it all, you know? So like, you know, you might as well risk it when you can, you know, as well. So rather than waiting for something down the line and it never happening or going to the, going to the back of your mind and then just getting stuck doing something I didn't enjoy. I've always just like, even with sports, if I didn't enjoy a sport, I wouldn't stick around doing it. So that's why I just stayed with football because I just loved it so much. And um, like, I didn't go learning golf. I'm getting into golf now, but when, when I was a kid, I just hated golf. Like, you know, so I wouldn't go into that and like focus on that because I need to learn how to play golf. No, you do Got things that you enjoy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you, you, can, you can do better at it and you'll learn so much more.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I, I believe we're, 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 we're the same age. And I love your idea of kind of testing things in your 20s uh, to see what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at. You're evidently good at building a business. And that called Arctic Stone Ice Cream because you've won multiple awards. I'm reading from my screen now. Bronze Award for <laughs> Food and Drink Startup 2019, winner of the Best Established Business 2019, second place Young Entrepreneur 2018. Not only that, I was on Instagram this morning. <laughs> and <laughs> on Instagram, Paul Merriman, those who don't follow, check yeah. it out. Ask Paul, great financial great advice. guy,
1: great, great man. I'm a big followed.
0: I've actually got a consultation with him on the 26th of this month. He shared Uh, story uh, that says that you attempted, I don't know if you succeeded or not, it's part of a question, a world record (laughs) in 2019, making ice cream for 24 hours straight. Are you crazy?
1: Yeah, some people actually, pretty much everyone said that, are you a bit tapped? I was like, I think you gotta be. (laughs) Sometimes you just gotta be. Because like, you know, if you just Because I think everyone's dream and ambition is always a bit slightly tapped. You know what I mean? It always is a bit crazy, and it has to be. Because um, if it's not, it's just a bit mundane, I think, anyway. But when it came to the world record, that was probably one of my proudest achievements. Um, okay, we didn't actually necessarily hit the standard because they wanted 40,000 rolls of ice cream in, twenty, like, 24 hours. We're actually in the middle of appealing that. And I'm kind what of did getting you get? into... We got 27,500 um, rolls. So we were a bit, we were a bit 13,000 under, but we had to discredit a lot of the ice cream rolls because they didn't fit the criteria that they wanted. So I'm actually in the middle of appealing that at the moment because it's not fair because we rolled for 24 hours and we put on one hell of a show. We had sponsorship from EY, which I went out and got. Uh, Just Eat sponsored it, loads of people, Red Bull. And I was like, you know what? A goal of mine, me and my brother always used to get Guinness World Records. I think everyone really did when they yeah, were a Yeah, I, too. yeah I mean, I always like, look forward to it at Christmas. You know, we're like, oh, what's going to be in it this year? Look at, all, look at all the weird shit going on. And I was like, right, one day I said, it, I'm going to be in this book and I'm going to try something. I always wanted to do it for football, but realistically, I'm not going to be juggling the football, you know, and break a world record for that. And I was like, what can I do? What can I even try? What can I even attempt? And I was like, ice cream, let's give it a bash started i've been planning this for i was planning it for over two years wow. you know and then i came together with a good uh, good friend of mine He's actually an ex-employee of mine as well thomas monaghan and the uh, ucd students union as well they were a massive help and we teamed up together and really put on a show and we gave it our all we did not stop for 24 hours looking back it was the most ridiculous thing i've ever done like and i couldn't move my hands and then like it was just incredible and seeing people that work with you just having been so emotive and emotional and so passionate about the whole project and seeing over seven and a half thousand people showing up like we had people showing up at like two three in the morning you know it was Crazy. it was pretty cool yeah so like the buses from coppers were rocking up at half four people drunken coming in and getting ice cream off us it was so much fun and you know looking back i probably would do it again but you know, it takes a lot of prep And took like to even get Guinness to come over costs like thousands. Thousands, man. So we had to get an official Guinness adjudicator and everything, which is got You might have seen him in the suit, She's like proper, did, yeah, entire, yeah. looking like a Bond villain. Everyone was like dancing on eggshells around him, but he was a sound same man and he was devastated. He's he'd never seen such an operation of such magnitude go so yeah. flawlessly and so well prepared. And that was really Like, okay, not breaking the actual record, but even just trying it was something that will live forever, you know what I mean? We did something that had never been attempted in Ireland before. We had no template. We just kind of planned, and it just, for me, it kind of just showed you have an idea, you plan it, you get a good team involved, and you execute it well. And and it went then, and people got a good vibe off it. We raised a good bit of money for charities as well, like Peter McFerry and the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. We raised thousands for them as well. you know, there's something a bit different and people still talk about it to this day, you know, and it was something that I look back on and I'll always say I attempted it. You know what I mean? And we put on a good show. We gave it a hell of a go, you know, and that's off
0: to you for, for, attempting it. if you're ever to try it again, yeah, might be slightly embarrassing, but check out Mr. Beast on YouTube. He does tons of. Weird, crazy, unique stuff. But I yeah. reckon if you take his and put an ice cream twist on it, you may be able to attempt it again and break multiple world records.
1: I'll give it a bash. Like I'm all literally like, there's nothing that I won't try when it comes to challenges or tasks. I'll give everything a bash, and if it doesn't go well, I don't have any regret. I tend one of my things is that I don't want to live and be in my fifties and have regrets about something I should have done. You know, yeah. and guilt and guilt and regret will kill you over time, and when it comes to either life or business or sport or just creating things, if you're thinking about doing it, just do it on the side. And just like, I didn't say it, Like when I applied for the record, the hardest part was applying for the record, you know, but I was like, fuck it. You know what? It's only an hour of paperwork. Send it out. If, if they say no, they reject the, um, the proposal put forward. They reject it. At least you try it. And then it just started snowballing and started getting momentum from there. You know, and you just got to do these things, just tip away slowly and surely and it'll, all the tasks will get done. Agree, and then you're like, let's, let's rock it, let's do it. You know, uh,
0: your your energy is something else. Um, <laughs> we were on the phone yesterday, and you told yeah. me that you took place, you, you participated in a virtual run last week or the week before. Yeah, Um, we've we talked about you know your love for the current run you like to run is Tick Knock. What do you like to do when you're not spending time on your business?
1: When I'm not working, um, well, I. I it's a, i know it's a bit cliche but i don't really see what i do and my business as work i just think of it is a passion like that's why i'm always mm. thinking of food and especially with food um it's it's a lot of fun because you're always trialing new recipes and stuff what i like to do but i'm not necessarily in quotes working and exercising running Um, obviously you can't meet as many people as you as you used to now but um mm just creating ideas, thinking like I, like the other day I was Googling how much it costs to go up Mount Everest. You know what I mean? Like just all these challenges that kind of come to your mind or Kilimanjaro or run the Machu Picchu Trail or something like that. You know, these life adventures and I'm just making the most. I'm always just thinking like I've run, I just finished the Hadron's Wall virtual marathon there, which was like 180 kilometers in a month or something. Um, so th- these type of things. So when we do open up and travel, we can go experience them again, like jumping out of a plane, how can you do it near me? All this kind of stuff, just, you know, just kind of making the most of it, you know what I mean? You mentioned, as, you,
0: you mentioned a run, uh, the 180 kilometers. My friend, uh, one of my best friends, actually, he's currently, or just finished, doing the Mallon to Head, which I think is 600K over a period of time. A great one to uh, check out if you're looking for things to do.
1: Um, 100%, man. I, I plan on doing a lot, and that's kind of going forward. Of like, one of my goals as well is to do a marathon in the Arctic Circle. You know, extreme temperatures and really just push. I, I, I'm a big avid fan for the physical body and how much strength you can endure. And it's all about mindset and how, what your body can mentally, physically achieve. So going forward, when things open up, I will be doing these type of extreme challenges and really just like I, I don't like sitting around watching Netflix or TV. Obviously, there's times where you have to unwind and stuff, but when mm. I'm not, I'll either be reading or I'm Googling an adventure or doing something. Near me, that's kind of cool and fun, you know.
0: I'm sure you've already heard of him, but the small percentage you haven't. Have you heard of Ross Edgley? No. He's the you <laughs> mentioned extreme. You mentioned extreme challenges, which is why I bring it up. He he has ran a marathon with a Mini Cooper tied to his back. He's climbed Jesus. the height of Mount Everest on a on a rope, just like it was maybe like 50 meters, but he kept doing it and burned through like numerous wow. clubs He swam. Without touching land, it took him—I can't remember—at uh, least three months to swim the entire coastal line of the UK. So Scotland, Wales, England. was out there for three months, completed it without touching land. Um, wow! The dude's a a, a different specimen. Uh, um, but yeah, if you're on Instagram, oh, you're on Instagram. Check out Ross yeah. Edgley. Uh, or even Red Bull sponsored his swim, and they documented the entire uh, swim of the UK it took him three months. It was insane. He said there was one, there was one story where he was swimming uh, and uh, every now and again, uh, they obviously planned their routes when they got to one location, they planned the route for the next day. And he did four hours swimming, four hours sleeping, four hours swimming, four hours sw- sleeping. And that's all he did for three months. But one every now and, and again, he had to uh, ignore the four hours of rest because he, they'd be like, there's ships coming in. You've got a 30 minute gap to get through this, Particular part, or like you were screwed. Um, and uh, they said, Ross, you got to keep swimming. So he swam for six hours instead of four hours, <laughs> and for five of the <sighs> six hours, he had a jellyfish stuck to his face. He thought he had got rid of it after like two minutes, but it had stuck to his face for the entire time. And oh, the, the I won't spoil the documentary for anyone who wants, but that's
1: that, that just goes to prove my point that it's all up here. Like, he didn't even realize because he was so in the zone. Like, I don't, I think the more I study the human body and uh, that's why I would learn to be a personal trainer was it just blows me away why or how the body can just change and just force itself to do something and then you realize well it's not as hard as I thought it's like going and jumping into the sea He's like oh I can't do it, I can't do it, you do it it's like oh, that's not too bad actually you know the body is incredibly resilient incredibly to the point that will blow people's minds. it's like your man that climbs the wall up in um, Yellowstone in oh, the States
0: Alex Holland or something Alec Holland yeah. is it?
1: And he doesn't use any ropes or anything like that. It's just all finger grip strength. And it's just like, people are like, how can that be done? Well, it has been done. You know, nothing is impossible. And I know it's a cliche as well, but, you know, as they say, like it is like the human body is incredible in that way. And that's, that's what I want to kind of going forward, do with Camino, all this kind of stuff, treks and get very much into that.
0: You've mentioned your personal training want to do a a marathon around the Arctic Circle you also have got grade 8 in piano Uh, is there anything that uh, you're into that people might not know about you
1: that they don't know about me one of the things maybe um, I love cooking and cooking is a big thing for me but again that kind of encapsulates food as well so I'll be very much into my food and that kind of stuff um, I've trained in a lot of different cuisines from Thai to Italian and cooking classes and stuff so yeah what do the people not know about me um, let me ask it this way if, yeah. if, if
0: I could ma- wave a magic wand and have one chef appear at your house this Friday to cook you and anyone else who you want to invite Neil yeah. what one chef would you choose to invite to your house
1: Oh, obviously the chef would be Gordon Ramsay, but if I had to pick, because he'd be good crack, but if I had to pick someone from the food culinary world, bring him back to life would be Anthony Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain is, I got obsessed with him during the first lockdown. He is an incredible um, human being and just his love and his The way he talks so elegantly about food and travel just really sparked a lot of curiosity, even more for me. I've always loved traveling and food. But just watching that, the man just encapsulates what it means to breathe in culture, take it all in, experience life, and just kind of enjoy it. Now, unfortunately, obviously, he had his own issues and stuff, but what he resonates with people will never be forgotten because it was so genuine. The love, like he, like food was, he saw food as a privilege you know, as well, which is an incredible way to view it in culture. He never looked down on anyone for eating something. He never looked down for, oh, he was never picky. He just, if someone was eating that, and that, I'd be very similar myself. I used to be the pickiest eater when I was a kid, like sausages and chips. Diet was horrendous. up until, That was probably until I started cooking for myself when I was 17, 16. And uh, just when you go to another country or culture, you just eat that Um no matter your what your kind of ideas of it, okay, it could be vegan or vegetarian, that's fine. But if they're if it's part of their culture, you just embrace it and enjoy it. And even if it's awful, even if you don't enjoy it, that's part of their heritage, and you just it's incredible. That's why I love about food is different parts of the world, but it's a universal language is food. You know,
0: I've I've never turned down a meal. Um, I, I I'll Good. eat anything, a, yeah. anything. I I love food. Oh, I have one story. I was in Iceland with good friends a couple of years ago and <laughs> definitely um, on the
1: list to go to Iceland, hundred percent.
0: Amazing place. Yeah. For, uh, it, it's not the cheapest. Um but you yeah. can get by on a budget if if you're careful. There's like beautiful like soups inside. Uh they got like a bread and carrot, the, the dough, and then they put shark soup in the middle, and like that's only five or six bucks, and that can keep you hungry for a while. Yeah. yeah. We were out for dinner one night. I think it was the second last night we were out for dinner and there was a couple of lads around the table and a lot of them weren't adventurous. And the two of us that were adventurous were picking at the guys being like, oh, come on, try this, try that. What well, you're like, you're losing out on life if you don't try things. And I said to one of the guys, I said I said to my mate who liked trying things, I said, I'm going to see how unadventurous these guys are and, and this will be the test. I said to them, lads, I'm going to order um, sheep's head and I gotta eat the eye. If I eat the eye, I won't ask you to eat anything if you pay for my meal. Now this meal was maybe hundred <laughs> euro, and they said, "Yeah, sure." So I ate the sheep's eye, and they pay for my meal. They and uh, but that's probably the only thing that I've eaten that I, that I probably wouldn't be running back to eat again.
1: Yeah, of course. But like that's the thing. There was a few things with Anthony Bourdain which you wouldn't be running back to get, but he had mm. to try it. You know, and I think if you don't try something either i know it's a bit cliche as well but with, from life to anything you won't know if you enjoy it you don't know if you're gonna enjoy the view until you get there and it's the same with food you don't know if you're, if you're gonna enjoy it. you could get a massive like i've heard of different like eggs and from ducks and fermented duck eggs and stuff like that that is a massive delic- delicacy in the philippines that some people hate, like say it's horrendous but the filipino people they love it you know it's part of the delicacy there so you don't know until you try it. And always give something a bash once. Always. From like uh um skydiving to bungee jumping, even if you're terrified, just give it a bash once because you don't know. Cause you just have you have a story there with the lads. Imagine mm-hmm. if you just went to McDonald's and got nuggets and chips, like you wouldn't be having this story, you know no. what I mean? And you wouldn't have gotten a free meal. So you just have to kind of embrace it because there are different elements to it, you know.
0: Agreed. Yeah, we're, we're, we're coming close to the end here I have one final question for you I want you to imagine it's the end of the decade and you're looking back um, you may be looking back having won multiple Guinness World Records having swam <laughs> the Arctic Circle what would you like to look back and say that you've achieved and, and have been proud of
1: I have a motto that I write, have written on my wall is live life like you're going to die in three months I know it's a bit morbid, but the idea of the reality of the death, let's say, is a great motivator for doing anything. You know, it pushes you. It's like, oh, no, I can't do that. I'll wait till next week. Why wait till next week that you can do tomorrow or today even? You know, Mm -hmm. if you have an idea, just Google it, get the ball rolling, get the juices flowing. What I would like to look back on is that I gave it my best shot all you can do is your best um, and yeah. learn from your mistakes give it your best all you can do is give your best from business to life to anything really from spirituality whatever is your vibe give it your best shot give it a bash and do stuff that resonates with you what I'd like to look back on is again that I gave it a shot that he was that people look back and like he was saying and he gave it a good shot you know what I mean and you want to have a positive impact another thing that i have on my wall is leave the world in a better place than when you came in you know from your your impact on people to your impact in business i do believe that every business should be have a socially responsible mindset and let society run, run your business in the way as opposed to just selling whatever um be socially responsible as much as possible, especially right now, Jesus Christ, right now, like we all need to pull together from financial crises to environmental, to biodiversity. We all need to kind of come together and start making, creating socially responsible businesses. Uh, as one of the things, you don't have to blow the world away. You don't have to blow the world away with your business, but just do the right thing when it comes to your business or buy people as much as you can. Um, and then like, look, looking back, leaving if I intend on every business that I've learned, like Arctic stone is my first business, the official business that I've had. Um, and it's not going to be my last. I have a few in the pipeline that I'm working on at the moment that I'm sure you'll find out now in the next few weeks. Um, but every business that I will start from going forward will always have um, a socially responsible side to it. Um, because it kind of, for me, that's what gives you purpose and that's what gives you passion. Um, so, like when I started Arctic Stone, I said that I would we would be social one of the five pillars of Arctic Stone. So it's taste, innovation, quality, customer interaction, and a good positive social impact. If we can do something on a good social like impact, we will do it. From helping out in schools to charities to lack of plastics, all this kind of stuff to kind of give a good impact. And every business. And I, I've seen what that does. I've seen the how much of an impact some business can have. We get Christmas cards and cards from random customers saying we were having a really bad day or they were suffering mentally, and your staff cheered them up. you know like during lockdown, I was going around giving out free ice cream and they said that was the best part of lockdown. all this kind of stuff just to give people a good sense and coming from a social work background, I just wanted to. The reason why I wanted to do social work was to help people and resonate with them and connect with them and help them through any difficult times that they're getting. And every business should be aligned, I think, anyway, with that. We all have a responsibility. It shouldn't all just be corporate looking at bank statements. Well, like it depends what your ethos is. But for me, anyway, every business should going forward have a social aspect to it, a social department, social mindset, and uh, leave a good legacy or an impact behind, you know? And will I be doing ice cream for the rest of my life? Who knows? But every business that I have going forward will be around people or creating a good impact. Anyway, I won't just get into something for like I have no interest in investments or real estate or in nothing like that, because that doesn't resonate with me. And I'll never, I don't get shares or stocks. I just have no interest in that kind of stuff because it doesn't, I'd rather spend my money in changing someone's life or helping them out through a more difficult time and if I can I will and if I don't do it then I'll learn from that and go forward implement these and be the best that you can be from mentally physically spiritually emotionally whatever your vibe is you know what I mean agreed that's well said I would view it as success it's also nice to see uh,
0: the world that I um, have become familiar with is corporate world um and success in that world is some people may view it as better title, higher wage um I struggle with and that, that and that's
1: and that and that's completely fine. that's completely fine. It just depends on your priority if you don't but see your sense of purpose around your status, then don't go for it. you know what i mean
0: agreed and 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 I mentioned I struggle with it, and the reason why is because it, i guess in a nutshell it's nice to see that nice people can win.
1: i don't know if i'm winning yet but i hopefully like it just depends on your vision of success people are always like oh if you could give success over what what would to be what would be your bit of advice to get people to be more successful or something like that i can't give that advice because i'm not a consultant you know a Mm. consultant tells you how to make your business better and like that's your business but if you stay selling 10 cupcakes in your local fair and knowing 10 customers as your vision of success, rock and roll. Like, absolutely, that is create your own vision of success. And for me, my business being a success won't be, obviously, you have global ambitions, you know what I mean? So I think mean mm-hmm. mean you will be similar in that mindset. We're always dreaming of the future and kind of visioning a better lifestyle, but not, not lifestyles and boats and private jets, but more, kind of a fluid and kind of enjoying lifestyle so my vision of success would be how much impact you can have in a positive way on people rather than at the end of the day your bank balance or anything but that's just me like if your vision of success is your bank balance or your social status and um, then that's fine but as long as you're happy and you drive enjoyment from that rock and roll mm-hmm. go do it and um, but mine wouldn't necessarily be that I want to do things that resonate with me, that impact other people in a positive way, and that kind of give me energy throughout the day. Because I've seen I've seen what, so like reaching for something and getting there and not being happy and being fulfilled, I've seen what that can do to people, and I've seen what aiming for money, let's say, and then getting it, and then it's gone, what that can do for people as well, um, mm. i.e. I, in a bad way, um, from a mentality state, from a mental state, Um, and then just like greed and all that kind of stuff I'm getting very into that kind of stuff now but what I mean is if if it doesn't resonate with you then assess what does and just start going and going after what you do because for me following a passion doesn't matter what you sell how much you sell of it I would rather see a friend of mine selling as I said 10 cupcakes than him stuck doing a job that he absolutely despised
0: you're a great example. Copy. You're a great example for people to look up to when it comes to <laughs> them going, which route should I choose? And 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 I say this with, with no prep done in advance, but one of the quotes on my wall is comparison is a thief of joy. Um for anyone struggling with wanting to set up a stall and sell ten cupcakes and kind of being able to go for a swim and go for a walk with their dog or whatever, but also having the added pressure of, you know, uh, social media, you know you got to get this total, you got to get this much money. Mm. What piece of advice would you would you have for them?
1: What piece of advice? And that that's 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 a really good question Um, because, and now I wouldn't have, back when I was younger, when I was 22, 23, I, I probably wouldn't be of this mindset, but the older, I'm getting I'm 27 now, I'm getting on there, the knee isn't what it used to be or the back is getting all, pushing on, I can see people going for this vision of what they want out of life. And then when they get there, not being what they want because they force. I think it's Joe Rogan that he says that don't shove square pegs in round holes. You know what I mean? You can't like happiness comes and goes, but you have to, because it's a moment of happiness. Enjoyment comes from longevity, you know, and you have to enjoy something to get happiness. And if you're not enjoying it, obviously you're going to go through absolute hell and shit. And I have, and, Things go wrong, and things go sideways, and things blow up, especially in the food industry. People don't show up, and you're stressed. Well, I wouldn't necessarily stress if you love what you do. You don't get stressed. You just get kind of angry and kind of a bit more motivated to get through that stress. But if life is causing you stress and getting you downtrodden because it's not where you want to, be, it's not where you want to be. You know what I mean? So if I had to give yeah. any advice, and I'm lucky in the way that growing up, I never really had. Um, like the structure of you got to go do this and then you got to go do this and this and this. I I was lucky in that regard. And my mother was very good in that she didn't force me into going after something that I didn't want. And you get what I mean? So that was great because I kind of opened my eyes to possibilities of what I can go for. Um, And just the self-belief and things will go shit, thing wrong and things will, like the thing is, what's the worst that can happen if you don't go for something you enjoy? I'd rather... There's a really good um, talk by Jim Carrey, or Kerry, and he's like he said about his dad, how his dad was an accountant when he was 51, and he got fired. And he learned that moment that you can fail at something you don't like, so you might as well take a chance on faith and go after something that you love. Because you can fail both ways, so you might as well fail at something you like, because you're going to learn so much more and go out laughing and go out and enjoy it. And that that leaves more time for yourself to free up to spend with people or to do stuff you enjoy or take in more moments when you enjoy it. because You're not constantly worried about the stress of something you don't enjoy. You okay. know what I mean? Well,
0: well, we'll 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 end it here, but well worth checking out IR theory. Separating you mentioned Jim Carrey separating your identity from your role. Kaylin, thank you very much for today. I've had a, a true pleasure <laughs> chatting to you. Um, and I wish you best of success with everything you you, you you do, you know, the Arctic Circle, all the future dishes you make, any future ventures you get involved in, in particular Arctic Stone. Uh, and we're exciting, else, exciting,
1: things, exciting things ahead. Like we're now launched in retail and we're in over 35 locations. So that's a completely different ball game altogether. Because my whole business model was on festivals and catering when I first set up the business and we lost all that because of COVID and then just changed it within two months. And this is, feels like a startup. It's energizing because once COVID relaxes, we're able to go back into what we have, but we have another side of the business as well. So looking forward to the next few months and weeks and years over working at this, you know, but um, yeah.
0: We'll we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Real pleasure. And are we going for a run one of these days and the restrictions lift? We're going for a run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bring a towel. We'll go for a swim afterwards as well.